0: Well, good morning, Celebration Church. If we can all stand up together, everyone at all of our campuses, I'm in the dark. So, particularly in Appleton and Stevens Point, I have no idea if you can see me. If you're joining us online, oh, there we go. Good to have you at our campuses. In Stevens Point Appleton, let's all say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us in our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Uh, Welcome to all those joining us in Appleton, Stevens Point. Those of you online, great to have you with us. Pastor Mark, he has been in South Africa doing some marriage conferences and events. We're going to hear from him this morning. Let's check it out.
1: Morning Celebration Church and greetings from South Africa where Deb and I and uh, two of our grandchildren are here ministering in the uh, country of South Africa and uh, and also getting a little vacation time with the kids. It's, it's really been a lot of fun. We're here with uh, Pastor Gary Rivas who's a bishop of the Methodist Church here in South Africa and uh, just having a fabulous time. He's uh, Cause they've got a, an incredible facility here in South Africa, and we've had meetings where people are gathering together and fellowshipping and having a chance to share and minister to them has been great. We've done uh, two different events so far, um, and uh, you know, ministry actually, three different events so far with couples, and just really, I mean, the response has been overwhelming. As hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have been coming out. Uh, to these events, as we've been just sharing with them and encouraging them, we've been having a lot of fun with the uh, boys. Take it, of course, you can't go to Africa without going and seeing the lions and you know all the wild animals <laughs> that they have here, and, uh, and that's been a lot of fun. Uh, it can be a little creepy. Uh, the other day we were out uh, doing a run around some lions in this particular. Place and what they did is they had us in one of these caged uh, vehicles. I mean, it was like a gigantic driving cage uh, in this particular part. Generally, uh, like lions and stuff in the wild, you can be in open air vehicles and they don't really do anything because they don't understand the vehicles and things. But in some of these closed areas, they've gotten so familiar. You know, some people have gotten killed by opening their windows and stuff, so they're getting really strict about it in these areas where these animals have gotten familiar and comfortable with uh, with the tourists coming through constantly. Anyway, so we're in this one, and they've got it all caged off, and they've got little tiny, Areas in the cage that maybe you can stick, uh, you know, to get a better photo of and stuff. So we're driving around in this cage and we get to this area of these lions and they're just laying there. And uh, again, in all the years I've been to Africa, I've never seen a lion come up to or attack or do anything towards a vehicle. But like I said, in some of these places are getting a bit too familiar. Anyway, we're in this cage thing. And I'm taking pictures with my camera. And I got one of these, you know, big lenses with this, you know, big thing on the front, is I'm getting these close-up shots of these beautiful, incredible animals. Well, I'm sticking the camera, just the very edge of it, out this little hole. And apparently one of the lionesses looks up right away and she sees it. And she starts moving very slowly uh towards <laughs> where I'm at. And uh everybody in the uh Cage is moving back. Everybody's way back because this thing keeps getting closer and closer. And oh man! Look at that! Look at that! Well, see, I'm thinking they're talking about looking at the lions, because and they think I'm taking pictures of this lion coming at me. I'm not. I'm shooting at a lion beyond this line because I got this huge lens. I don't see what's going on. They've all backed away. This thing keeps coming closer and closer and closer. I'm going click, 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 and all of a sudden, whap! This gigantic. Smash on the front of the camera, and I look up, and there's this huge lion paw sitting right up against them. And I look down, and ro- I mean, from here to here is this lion like, ah, looking at me, freak the willies out of me. I'm jumping back. ah, and I was saying, "Why didn't you guys say something?" They said, "We were trying to tell you, look, look, look." I said, "Well, that doesn't mean anything. I think you're just looking at lions." Uh Pastor Gary said, "Man, I, th- I thought, boy, this guy's got." Nerves of steel, everybody's backing away from the cage and Mark's just right up there as this line's coming right up to his face. It wasn't nerves of steel, as dumb as a brick. I didn't know the thing was coming. So it just goes to underscore that oftentimes the difference between courage and stupidity is a very thin line. Anyway, but we've been safe and we've been having a lot of fun. Uh, today I want to share with you, I'm starting a series called Ask the Pastor. Uh, for the summer here and uh, where you get a chance to ask any questions that you want. Now, this are supposed to be biblical questions. I've gotten some <laughs> bizarre questions that have nothing to do with the Bible. I'm not going to answer those, okay? Uh, there's other venues for that. I'm talking biblical questions. What, th- what does the Bible say about this, that, and the other? And I thought you would pick the subjects uh, through the summer and I would speak on some of these subjects. This morning, I want to deal with uh, two uh, questions at the same time that I've gotten uh, from some people recently. Before I do that, I want to read to you from uh, Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, verse 11. And a fairly familiar portion of Scripture says this, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Now, one of the questions I got was uh, someone said, Pastor, why in the Old Testament did they spend so much time telling us about the story of Joseph when Joseph really is not part of the line of the descendant of the Messiah? Which a lot of the Old Testament is really just kind of tracking the line from Abraham all the way up to when Jesus comes, actually from Adam all the way up to when Jesus comes. And I uh, was curious as why in the Old Testament they spent so much time on the story of Joseph. Uh, fundamentally, the main reason is that it's following the life of Joseph that explains how the Israelites wound up in Egypt, okay? Because one of the central events of the Bible as when Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And then this incredible, miraculous freeing of the Israelites from uh, Egyptian slavery uh, into the promised land. Now, up to that point, the Israelites are not in Egypt. You take out the story of Joseph, the Bible makes no sense. What, what do you mean they're slaves? What, how how they wind up in Egypt? There would be no connection. So that's why it tells us, the story of Joseph, and, and really it's a rather inspirational story because here's a young man who God gives him a vision of his destiny, of being this great leader that, uh, uh, that his family looks up towards. Well, he shares this vision uh, with his brothers and uh, and they were really jealous. They think this guy's so arrogant that we're all gonna be looking up to Joseph because Joseph was the youngest <laughs> the pup in the litter and they got really angry. Uh, you know, And boy, nothing gets crazier than family, right? People getting mad at each other and this and that. Some of the smallest things can <laughs> set everything off, people acting crazy. I think you all know uh, and have experienced that deep frustration that happens. <laughs> in close quarters. Anyway, so these brothers, actually, they're so angry, they want to kill him. Well, one of the brothers intervened and said, no, no, man, let's not kill him. You know, let's let's sell him off into slavery. Because number one, we don't kill him. And number two, we get some money. (laughs) by selling him off into slavery. So that's what they do. They sell him off into slavery. They tell the dad that a lion or something had killed Joseph and the father was overwhelmed by guilt and, or, or grief because uh, the son had died. Well, these brothers, all these liars, are telling this to their poor father. He's overwhelmed uh, through this whole situation. Well, they sell Joseph off into slavery. Well, uh, so he's, he gets picked up by this moving caravan. This caravan takes him into Egypt. And there he is sold to uh, a guy named Potiphar. So he's a slave of Potiphar's household. And even though everything's awful for Joseph, he starts to rise up. He starts to make things better, even in a horrible situation. If anybody had a reason to moan and groan, it would have been Joseph. Man, everything is great. And then his own family, his brothers... Turn traitor on him, sell him off, and now he's a slave. And he could have gotten really angry at God, say, hey, what's, what's the deal? Where's my dream? Where's my vision? Where's my destiny? I'm a slave. I'm supposed to be this wonderful position where my family looks up to me, and now he's in a position where the whole world looks down to him. But Joseph didn't complain, and he didn't whine, and he thought, you know, I'm going to take lemons and make lemonade, and that's what he did, and he became a very successful slave over the household of Potiphar. He was so successful, Potiphar loved the guy, and he kept raising up. and then eventually Joseph is over everything. He's in charge of everything. He's like the head slave. I mean, if you're going to be a slave, (laughs) might as as well be the head slave, right? So he's a head slave, and whatever perks come with that. Well, at some point, the Bible tells us that Potiphar's wife got the hots for Joseph, and the Bible talks about Joseph being this young, studly man, and she thought, hey, papi, you know, come here. And she tries to put the moves on him. Joseph says, no, 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 and he runs away from her. She gets mad, the old spurn woman deal. And so then she claims that Joseph tried to rape her. Well, Potiphar's furious, and how can you do such a thing? So anyway, they arrest Joseph, and now he's thrown into prison. Now we're not talking Brown County lockup here. We're not talking, you know, the Stevens Point Jail or the Appleton Sheriff's Office. We're talking about a prison thousands of years ago and the conditions are horrid. You can only begin to imagine the filth, the stench, and the miserable conditions now that Joseph looks face to face with. And here again, great opportunity to start crying and belly aching. Uh, to God about his situation, and again, where's my destiny? What happened here? I'm I'm supposed to be being lifted up and being this hero to my family and everybody around me, but now talk about being looked down. He went from being a slave to a prisoner. There's no lower spot in life. So he gets to the absolute bottom, a situation where I'm pretty sure the vast majority of us would be, and probably justifiably, extremely depressed and disheartened. But Joseph hangs in there and he starts being the best prisoner he can be. This guy's amazing. Talk about turning lemons into lemonade. So he starts being the best prisoner. He's a model prisoner. You know, as as much as a prisoner can enjoy life, uh, Joseph was doing better than the others because he was doing so well and they trusted him and uh, whatever Highly liberties one could get, I'm sure he was getting, and eventually he overhears a couple of guys that had gotten uh, thrown into jail from uh, the Pharaoh's courtyard, and he interprets some dreams for these guys, and these guys are amazed at how insightful Joseph is. Well, eventually, Pharaoh has this dream that really disturbs him. He's all freaked out. And he doesn't know and he calls all his wise men together. What does this dream mean? And they have no idea. They couldn't explain it to him. And he was furious. And one of these guys that Joseph had helped in prison finally comes to the king and says, your majesty, there's a guy in prison. He's amazing when it comes to dreams and understanding what these things mean. The king is desperate, so he sends for Joseph. The Bible says they bring him up, they clean him up because I'm sure he is a disaster, living, you know, unkept, unshaven, just smelly as all can be in this horrible situation. They clean him up, they bring him before the king, and the king tells him his dream, and of course, Joseph interprets the dream, and he's dead on right about the meaning of the dream. And the Bible says that Pharaoh so appreciated what Joseph had done and so respected him, he made him the most powerful man in his country, which at that time is the world. He now becomes the second most powerful man in the world. The Bible says there was nothing in all of Egypt that Joseph was not responsible for. Everybody ran everything through him. Now, suddenly, he becomes this incredible person uh, that he had seen in his dream, although His family doesn't know where he is. Nobody knows where he is. And then this great famine comes, and the family comes to Egypt. That's how the Israelites come to Egypt. They're looking for food and shelter, and sure enough, uh, Joseph is there, and all his brothers bow down before this great man. They don't know who he is, and the dream comes true. Eventually, Joseph lets them know who he is. Everybody's stunned and amazed, and uh, and they're incredibly blessed. So they're now in Egypt. This wonderful destiny is now taking place, even though it has nothing to do with the, the line of uh, Joseph. In fact, there is no tribe of Joseph in the 12 tribes. We'll get into some other Bible study maybe someday to explain all that. But uh, suddenly now, this destiny is fulfilled. They're all in Egypt. Eventually, Joseph dies. And then, uh, you know, uh, this new Pharaoh's come along. They enslave all the Egyptians. They're slaves for 200 years until Moses shows up and says to them, let my people go. And that's where we get the Ten Commandments and all the stuff eventually to our present day. So that's why the, uh, the story of Joseph is so important. But what I really want to share with you about that has to do with the second question that I got, which is, Pastor, how do I know that if I make the wrong decision, it won't negatively impact God's destiny for my life? And of course, Uh, what they were talking about and I asked They said, well you know I want to get married how do I know if I marry the wrong one everybody in the real paranoia of the wrong one all this nonsense Uh, and then it'll ruin my destiny because if I pick the wrong one then I'll never become everything God wants me to be well as we read in Jeremiah God says I have a plan for you a good plan a plan that you can relax in and trust in and be safe in to prosper it God has a destiny for all of us, and here's the good news. You really have to work really, 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 really hard to get anywhere close to messing up that destiny. In fact, it could be arguing, unless you totally, totally turn your back on God, that you can't mess up the destiny. Even if you make lots of mistakes, even if other people jack things up for you and make things awful hard and difficult for you, like they did for Joseph, you would think, I mean, Satan truly had to know uh, the potential that Joseph had, so he makes everything go wrong in his life. But despite uh, his most intentional uh, ways of trying to ruin the guy's life, it never changed his destiny. His destiny remained the same. Well, people say, well, yeah, but that's Joseph. You know, he had this incredible heart the whole time, and he's a great you know, example of how we should be bold and strong and confident even when everything's terrible in our lives. Okay, but let's pick another guy in the Old Testament. Take Jonah. God comes to Jonah and says, hey, I have a destiny for you. I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to the people in Nineveh. And Jonah goes, no, (laughs) I ain't going to Nineveh. I hate Nineveh. I'm not going. So he turns and he literally turns his back, it would seem, on God's destiny for his life. He says, I'm not going to go. So he goes anywhere to avoid going to Nineveh. He hops on a boat to take off to go. I don't know where he's going, whatever it says. And uh, They're out on this boat. Well, everything starts going wrong on this boat. They're having these horrible uh, storms and everything else, and they're trying to survive, and they're throwing stuff off the boat to lighten the boat, and everybody's scared to death. Well, Jonas, Jonah figures, this has just God ticked off because I don't want to go to Nineveh. Well, I ain't going to Nineveh. So he goes to these guys, listen, this is on me. God's mad. You really just should throw me overboard, and then the storm will stop. And these guys said, oh, man, we're not going to throw you overboard. And they kept trying to do other things, and the storm is threatening. They're all freaking out. Jonah says, hey, I'm telling you, you got to kick me over. So Jonah's literally saying, just kill me. Now, this is not a positive man. This is not a man who's just following the Lord and trusting God in his life and doing everything right and being positive like Joseph. This guy is just being a big, fat jerk. And finally, the guy said, hey, he wants to get thrown overboard. <laughs> Let's throw him overboard. So they throw him overboard. Well, now, Jonah, is, he's not planning to swim back to land. He's on in the middle of the, wherever the heck he's at. He says, this, this is it. I'm going to die. So he starts into the water. And the Bible tells us that a giant fish, undoubtedly a whale, comes by and (laughs) inhales Joseph. Or, uh, uh, (laughs) my mind just went, Jonah. I'm getting old. Give me a break. So Jonah inhales Jonah, and now Jonah's stuck in the belly of the whale. Now people would say, wait a minute, there's no way possibly someone could be ingested by a large creature like that and still live. Well, of course not. This is where the supernatural comes in. God intervenes. God has a way of suspending rules of nature to get things done. They're called miracles. So anyway, uh, God suspends us. He goes uh, and puts Joseph in a situation where he's in the belly of this whale, and he's not dead. He's not dying. He's staying alive. Now there's got to be nothing more frustrating than wanting to die and then a big fish swallows you and you're still not dead. He's for three days. Can you imagine how awful this is? Talk about a guy who wants to die. He can't die. I should be dying already. Something should you know, consume me. Why am I still alive? For three days, he's in the belly of this fish being incomprehensibly miserable. I'm sure his attitude is not getting any better. He's not a happy camper, all right? Eventually, this fish goes and throws him up by the shore. He climbs to the shore. He probably looks and smells just dreadfully and uh, looks around. Where am I? Guess where he is? Nineveh, he's exactly where God told him, this is your destiny. And Jonah's doing everything he can not to be part of this destiny. And sure enough, this is where he ends up. Anyway, he winds up preaching to him. I'm sure he had a bad attitude about it, he does. And the whole city repents and gets right with God. Well, someone say, well, you know, I understand Joseph and... You know, okay, Jonah, he was having a problem, but at least he didn't make any big mistakes. Pastor, i made big mistakes in my life. I've sinned, I've done terrible. Clearly, I have ruined God's destiny, destiny for my life. Well, again, I would say no. Look at Samson. Samson, God had a destiny for Samson to help the Israelites crush the Philistines and bring deliverance to the land. Well, Samson, you know, we, we, we hear the children's version of these Bible stories uh, and uh, they kind of get stuck in our heads. You need to actually read the stories. They're really much more dramatic and more shocking than we often hear from the children's versions. Samson was a pig. He was a boozer. He was a womanizer. This guy, is, he is bad. He's doing everything he should not be doing. It's quite disturbing. Yet despite... His failures, despite his sins, God uses Samson to defeat and crush literally the Philistine army and bring relief to the nation of Israel. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. God has a plan for you. His destiny for you to a great degree is not dependent on you. It's his plan. His destiny. Again, unless you turn your back totally on God say, I don't want anything to do with God, uh, there's really no way uh, you can miss I don't think, based on what we see in the Old Testament, based on what we see in the New Testament, these guys, some of them were complete mess-ups. But yet God used these people. God's destiny isn't about you. It's about God. And while it can seem that we can slow down and delay what we think is God's destiny, you don't know that. Jonah didn't know that. Samson didn't know that. Joseph doesn't know that. You don't know that. Here's what I want you to know from today's message. Trust that God loves you. As he says, I have a plan for you, a plan to do you good, not harm, and I want to prosper your life. So continue to draw close to God. Put your hope and your strength and your, uh, or your hope and your faith in him and his strength that he can make everything work out in your life. At the end of the day, this isn't about us. This is about Him. Trust in His grace and His overwhelming love for you to fulfill the plan that He has for you. Even though you make mistakes, okay, we all make mistakes. You repent, you get right. But don't think, oh, I've blown it. It's too far. I'm too far gone. My life's not going to be awful because of the bad decisions I've made now. No. God has a plan for you. God's a big boy. He knows how to fulfill the plan, and maybe this morning you're listening, uh, maybe you're just visiting for the first time, maybe at our our campus over at Stevens Point, or the guys over in Appleton, there, or right there in Green Bay, and uh, you know all this faith stuff is kind of new to you, and you're seeing everybody sing, and the music's great. We got some great great musicians in our churches, uh, and all that, and you're hearing this message, and you're going, man, I, how do I get in on this? How do I really start walking with God so that God can do good for me and have plans for me in my life? Well, let's start simply by surrendering to Him, putting your hope and your trust and faith in Him. If you will give your heart to Him and surrender to Him and trust Him, He has a way of taking these wonderful, beautiful plans in your life and making them into something great. Say, well, well, it's too late for me. I've been an alcoholic or I've been this, or I've been in jail, and it's all too late for me. I'm telling you, it's never too late. If you'll trust Him, God has a way of blessing your life. In just a few minutes, our campus pastors are going to come and we are going to serve as communion and give you an opportunity to pray with you uh, for an opportunity for you to open your heart and accept this wonderful grace of God into your life. Uh, anyway, uh, I hope this has been a blessing and encouragement uh, to you as we're entering this summer. I hope you're having a great summer and as much as possible. Put God first, make it a priority, get in church, but when you can't, make sure that you continue to support the church, uh, watch online, get connected even when you're off on vacation, and, uh, and continue to grow in your faith, and spend time connecting with people. So summer is a great time, the best time of the year, to connect with other people in the church, other families, get together, do barbecues. Trips, day trips, and stuff like that, and uh, really get a chance to know other people, because many great blessings come from knowing other people of faith. Anyway, we're going to be on our way back on Thursday, hopping on the plane uh, and coming back. So I'll be there uh, in the flesh uh, on uh, Sunday, uh, our Fourth of July weekend, and uh, looking forward to seeing and being with you guys then. Let me pray with you before I go, Father. I thank you for your kindness and your grace that in fact you do have wonderful plans for us. That your destiny is your destiny and it's based on you and your grace. And Lord, even though at times we fail, even though at times we feel discouraged, even though at times it seems like it's too far, too late, we're too messed up, there's no way God can really fulfill my life the way he wants to. We know that's not true because we know that you're bigger than any situation that we may find ourselves in because we see this over and over again throughout the scriptures. Bless this wonderful group of people today, this wonderful celebration, church. Thank you for these people. That have been such a great blessing to me. I pray that they will be blessed today. Have a great week and bring us back again together safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Have a fabulous week.